What's up, bitches? <laughs> expecting that you scared the shout out of me i gotta go change my grungy <laughs> welcome oh crap <laughs> don't look at me no more welcome back to miners the mayhem hey we're a true crime podcast we're miners go ahead and we're back we might have had a minor meltdown yeah. So I'm not even sure where we left off because she made me jump so <laughs> Okay. So welcome back to Miners of Mayhem. We're a true pride. Oh, true pride. <laughs> Get it together. <clears throat> I don't know how. Okay. We are a true crime podcast where miners become murderers. And a big hello and a welcome to those of you who are new to our podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you. I am Eden, and with me is my crazy daughter, Brianna. Hello. The one who said, hi, bitches, and made her mom almost pee her pants at the beginning. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So I have news. Oh, what is it? Happens to be local news. Ooh. Ooh. Let's hear it. Okay. So. Ina Kanoyer, 47, of Minot, North Dakota, was arrested and charged October 30th for murder in the death of her boyfriend, Stephen Riley Jr. Wasn't she the one that allegedly um, like poisoned her boyfriend? Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah, with antifreeze. Antifreeze. Mm. antifreeze. Yummy. And alleg allegedly, I love allegedly. that you use the word allegedly because she is innocent until proven guilty. Right. So, um, allegedly, this was for financial gain. But wasn't that like a like a rumor, uh, or like a it wasn't a real? Thing? Yeah, I heard it was a scam. Okay. But now, this is hearsay. This is. You know, we don't know. It's still being investigated. Yeah, we don't know any of the facts. But supposedly, um, her boyfriend was slotted to inherit $30 million, which they're finding out could possibly be a scam. So, allegedly, she thought she got rid of him because she thought she was going to get half of this inheritance. But they were... They were boyfriend and girlfriend. Exactly. And apparently she, well, supposedly, allegedly, however you want to word this, because we don't know any truth here. Um, when she found out that there was no common law in North Dakota, she was quite upset. Oh. We don't recognize common law here. I think in some states, like, after you've lived together for seven years, you're, like, common law married. Right. Okay. Yeah, that. That don't happen here in the in the sticks. Okay. No, no. Well, it <clears throat> sounds like she might be, if found guilty, be screwed. <laughs> right? She's going to be poor 
and then the Huskow. So anyway, she's uh, being held on a $1 million bond, and her preliminary hearing is set for December 7th. And so as this investigation is obviously ongoing and very active, maybe we should try to report updates as the story unfolds. That'd be cool. Yeah. Heck yeah. So what are we doing today besides the news? <sighs> well, this one's going to hit a little different than normal. What do you mean? Different how? This is not a highly publicized case, and I do not understand why. Really? Yeah. Okay. Which, of course, made me want to do it even more. Right. But the information just isn't there. Like, I have no idea who the biological parents are. Okay. I have no idea of the background. So what you're saying is don't ask questions. What I'm saying, Brianna... Don't ask me a damn thing because I can't tell you. <laughs> okay. Except I can tell you I have a frog in my throat. Oh, oh. well, yeah. get it out. It's the claustrophobia with the mic in my face. I, I wonder why you do that. Like, <laughs> you don't cough all day long and then you get in front of the mic and it's just like. It's never ending. I wonder if it's a, like a, what, what do you call that? Um, phobia? No, not a phobia. It's like a mind over matter thing. Like. Maybe. Uh, because. I, like you said, I can go all day and not cough, not one time. The minute I get this mic up to my face, I, I don't know what it is, but I have to clear my throat constantly. If anybody knows like what that's called, shoot yeah. us an email. Yeah, shoot us an email because I'd really like to quit doing that. Yeah. It's for sure. irritating for one thing. All right. All well, right. So for this, me. I'm going to tell you, girl, I'm going to tell you. For this week's episode, I'm taking you to Interlochen, Florida, a town consisting of approximately 1,500 residents. Interlochen is surrounded by oak trees and several lakes, and is a community where everyone knows one another. Okay, we're, we we know live a like lot that. About that. Yeah, that's our life. Has yeah. been our life pretty much. So this case was not as publicized as some of the other cases we have done, which of course only made me want to cover it even more. And I believe I explained that. But unfortunately, I'm lacking all the background information. You know, we like to dig that up and share as a part of our case storyline. Yep. But I decided to trudge ahead and do it anyway, regardless, as I truly felt this case deserved to be shared. Okay. So on with it. Let's hear it. Jerry Lee Alley was a small, caring, and gentle 12-year-old boy. At the age of two, he was adopted by his grandparents, Marvin and Anne Alley, when his father was sent to prison. For what? I do not know, so Brianna, don't ask. And nothing about the mom, right? No, I don't even know her name. In fact, I don't even know the father's, the biological father's name. Okay. No, absolutely nothing. I think you passed your frog on to me. Did I? I'm so sorry. <coughs> sorry. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Oh. I don't know. Maybe we have microphone fright. Yeah, I've maybe. never heard of it, but maybe. Maybe. Okay, so um, Marvin would take Jerry fishing in one of the many lakes and often find, you know, really fun things to do in the surrounding woods. Marvin and Anne did their very best to give Jerry a good life, and it definitely showed in his very well manners and caring nature. Oh, he sounds like such a sweet little boy. Yeah. And he's 12. Right? He is 12, okay. yes. So Jerry was a very happy boy, and when he smiled, 
he had the cutest little dimple. Oh, I love dimples. I know. Ezra, when she smiles really big, she gets two. Up, up on her cheeks. Yes. Yes, and adorable. Cute. Yes. So, you know, I'll, I'll try to put up photos on her Facebook page of this little dimple because it's just adorable. But unfortunately, Jerry was teased on the school bus and in school because of his small size and, you know, very gentle qualities about him. Aww. His grandfather thought of Jerry as being older than his years. If Jerry saw someone alone, he'd go over and talk to them. He'd do just about anything to make people laugh and bring a bit of joy to their lives. That sounds so sweet. And now you gave me another frog. Oh, jeez. <coughs> We're passing frogs. Okay. So Jerry loved riding and working on his bicycle, collecting Pokemon cards, his Nintendo, and playing the flute. In fact... He received an award in band class for going above and beyond practicing his flute. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Jerry's best friend was 15-year-old John Silva. They were both part of a Pokemon trading club that would meet at the C.H. Price Middle School. John was described as being very quiet, shy, and kind of a keep-to-yourself person. John did not have the greatest circumstances at home, not that there was any abuse or anything like that, but he lived with his mom, his sister, and his grandparents, and his grandmother really had seriously failing health, Aww. and they were financially strapped, like a lot of people are. I mean, I've went through those times where I'm just strapped financially and robbed Peter to pay Paul, and we've all been there. Yeah. For sure. And I do believe that at that time they were going through this. And what year was this? 2000. Oh, okay. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Jerry, being the kind-hearted little boy that he was, wanted to include John in absolutely everything that they did, whether it be fishing or going on a day trip, whatever. He just always wanted to include John. That's awesome. So, there's his caring and qualities yeah you know sounds like a good boy yeah so on friday may 26 2000 when jerry got home from school he put away his school stuff grabbed his pokemon backpack and asked if he could go ride his bike okay marvin said that he could but he did remind him that they were leaving in the morning because it was memorial day weekend and they were they had traveling plans. So, you know, just be home at the normal time. Okay. okay. That seems fair. Right. Reasonable. Very reasonable. So about 545, when Jerry didn't arrive home, Marvin jumped into his vehicle and started looking for him. There was some concern because Jerry was a very responsible little boy. He would even set an alarm on his watch to remind him when it was time to go home. Oh, yeah. so when he didn't show up at home, I bet they started to really worry. Yeah. Since he, se he seems like such a responsible boy. I mean, who's, I know I didn't set a watch. Oh, I know you didn't. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> well, the street lights came on. That's when I knew I had to be home, but a lot of the times I didn't. <laughs> I know. Um, but, okay. Wow. Yeah. That's so definitely very out of character. Yeah. yeah. So 
Um, lost my spot. Sorry. That's okay. No, I love it that you engage. It's wonderful. So there was definitely concern. Um, you know, he didn't, he, he didn't want to disappoint his grandparents either. He was over the moon about his grandparents. He loved them very much. And to be late would be a disappointment, right? Right. I mean, he didn't want to do those kind of things. He was right. just a good kid. So. And what, he's, what his grandpa said about him being older than what he is, that's, that just proves it right there. Yeah, it just fits right into the scenario. Yep. Jerry was also very, very, very afraid of the dark. Oh. Yeah. So there is no way that he would be out past dark. I mean, he was so afraid of the dark that he absolutely had to have a nightlight in his bedroom. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So him being out after dark would be like red flag. Very, very scary. Yeah. So Marvin went to every place that he could possibly think of that Jerry might be. He even stopped twice at Jerry's best friend friend's house, John Silva, who said that he had not seen Jerry at all. Now, John said something very alarming to one of his sister's friends, Stephanie Taylor. Quote, what a terrible way to die, unquote. Now, at this what? time... Why would he say that? Exactly. Nobody knew where Jerry was. Nobody knew if he was hurt or just nobody knew anything. So why would you say what a terrible way to die when nobody knows that the boy is dead? Suspicious. Very. Okay. When 8.45 p.m. rolled around and Jerry still not had arrived home, his grandparents had enough. They called the police department to deform, to deform, inform them of the situation, and hats off to this police department. They jumped their asses right into action. That's awesome. Yeah, there was no messing around, man. Especially because, like, a lot of the times, you know, it, it, it blows my mind. Like, everything should be taken seriously because... Um, oh, what am I trying to say? Like, it's better to use your resources and yeah, not right. And, you know, the parents or grandparents in this case, they know that child. If they say something is wrong, then something is wrong. It, and yeah, police should always take it seriously. Absolutely. And this was back in 2000. I honestly believe that since that day and age, I do believe that things have gotten way better. Yeah. Instead of you have to wait 24 hours or um, did they run away or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, th I, I truly do believe that things have gotten better. Well, better. Yeah. Always should be taken seriously. Yeah. In my opinion. Oh, I'm going to back you up on Hundo on that one. Yep. Okay. okay. So, like I said, they, they jumped into action, man. They organized a large search. They used helicopters, bloodhounds, firemen, and volunteers from the community. They even went as far as stopping all of the vehicles going in and out of town and checked them. Wow. Yeah, they, they weren't, they weren't freaking around, man. They went the distance. Hellbound for an election. Awesome. Yep. 
So no one had seen Jerry since 3.30 p.m., and the police were starting to think about the worst-case scenario. They honestly were hoping that maybe he'd fallen off his bike and crashed and was just out in the woods and couldn't make it to help. I mean, obviously, probably everybody was hoping this because small town, you know. Right. After two to three days of endless searching, and I couldn't verify whether it was two days or three days, so I'm going with both, two, two, three. They still hadn't found not one damn clue to where Jerry could be or what may have happened to him. It was almost as if he had just vanished without a trace. So they didn't find his bike or anything? Not at Because he he was out riding his bike. Yep, and had his backpack, his, his backpack with his Pokemon cards. And they... Didn't find anything. Not a damn thing. Not one thing. Wow. Yeah, right? I need to take a drink. Keep talking. That'd be very alarming. So, yes, absolutely. Okay. Police were dispatched to an unoccupied vehicle that had been sitting for a couple days by an abandoned lot. And when the area was inspected, there did appear to be two sets of bicycle tracks. And when a piece of plywood was passed by, there was a putrid odor. That's a weird word to say, too. Odor. 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 Reminds (laughs) me of Hodor. Hold the door, you know, Game of Thrones. Hodor. Oh, yep. What he was trying to say was hold the door, but as he got worse in his... Never mind. Oh, I'm getting off track. Okay. Tell me after. Anyway. The odor was chalked up to all the garbage that was strewn around from illegal dumping. People were dumping their trash. Okay. Yeah. So they really truly found nothing that was deemed ominous. And there was a note actually attached to the car stating that it would be retrieved and hauled away. It had broken down and was left due to being disabled. So not a big deal, right? Right. Well, yeah. Especially if people were already dumping their garbage there. Right. So, Okay, Brianna, tell me all about how you feel about psychics. Psychics? Yes, ma'am. Um, like my opinion on them or... Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... In, in the true crime sense of things... <coughs> um, Sorry. I have... I kind of am leery about, you know, going to the police because in a lot of the cases that I've, like, the documentaries that I've watched with psychics, a lot of the time is false. Um, But I definitely do believe in psychics. Mm -hmm. Um, I do believe they have abilities and that kind of thing. But I don't know if I would agree using it um, in police work, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm so back and forth, though. My opinion is there are psychics. Yeah. I mean, and they are wonderful. Yeah. But for every one true psychic that there is, there's got to be 10 to 20 fakes. Right. And how do, you, how do you decipher which one is real and which one's fake? Exactly. You know? Because maybe a lot of the times um, they just want to be in the media. They want to be recognized. They want the attention. Yeah. Yeah. Attention seeking yeah. rather so than actually trying to help. And 
you know, it, potentially wasting time and resources following a psychic's lead. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's where I'm also kind of back and forth on it, too. Okay. Well, let me tell you about Don Marie Bachman. Okay. Okay. Wait, is she, she's involved in this? Oh, yeah. Okay. She's a local psychic. Okay. Yeah. Well. So here we go. She reported to the police that she had a dream that was very concerning. Okay. Okay. What was her dream? In this dream, she saw Jerry's body hidden in a septic tank located on an abandoned lot where there had once been a house. But the police did not give this information any heed. After all, they had already searched this area and found nothing. Is that the, where the car was? Yes, ma'am. Yep. Okay. And, you know, so, so why go back, right? Yeah. I mean, they did chalk it up to, like, the, the smell and all of that to garbage, and they looked there. Yeah. They didn't which, find anything ominous, so. Yeah, which is totally legit. Yeah. I mean, I, there was garbage everywhere. Garbage freaking stinks. I don't necessarily blame them. Because they had already been there. So and it's why, in, yeah. And it's in Florida, the heat. Yes. So, yeah. so why go back? They had already been there, right? Okay. Okay. The very same evening that she reported this, Dawn was returning from running some errands, and she noticed a fireman out by the abandoned vehicle. And against her better judgment, she decided to stop and actually say something. Really? Yeah, no shit. Even after being blown off? Yep. This was a very determined lady. And hats off to you, Don, because I, you didn't give up. She didn't give up. I like that. Uh, yes. I mean, she felt strongly about her dream, and she just didn't let it go. So hats off, lady. You're amazing. Okay. What did the fireman do? Well, he was very hesitant, I'll tell you that. Okay. But Don was very insistent. And she, there's a train. You hear that? Yeah. Huh. She took the fireman down a little ways away, you know, away from the car, because the car wasn't right there. Oh, okay. And showed the fireman the place she saw in her dream. And it was the same piece of plywood that the police officer had walked past the prior day in his search of the area. So, do you remember the putrid smell, right? Yep. Okay. The fireman lifted the plywood that was actually covering an old homemade septic system. Oh, shit. Now, if you were to just walk by this piece of plywood or... You wouldn't think to lift it up. No, because it just looked like it was laying there in the ground. So I am not pointing a finger at the police department at this time at all. No. 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 I mean, there was garbage everywhere. That could have been the smell. And this piece of plywood or pallet or whatever it was. There's shit everywhere. Yeah. And it just looked like it was laying on the ground. It didn't look like it was covering Anything. something. Okay. So, you know, this, this is definitely not on the police department. Right. Okay. okay. Um, but like I said, it was actually covering an old homemade septic system. At the bottom of the system, he could make out what seemed to be a body. Oh, no. 
He pulled out his flashlight and shined it down the hole where, to his horror, lay the body of Jerry Alley. Damn it. Damn it is right. His bike and backpack were thrown down in the hole also. Do you need to pause it? Is there somebody here? Oh, no. They went by. No. Okay. okay. Um, we're expecting company, so I was like, hopefully they're not here yet. Early, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, where'd, uh, his bike and backpack were thrown down on him. Uh, his hands were tied behind his back and to his ankles. He had an ace bandage wrapped four times tightly around his neck and electric cord tied in a slip knot. His pants and underwear were pulled down. Also in the septic system by Jerry's body was a note. And if I can find a photo of the note, I'll post it on our Facebook page along with the rest of the photos. From my research, I found that the spelling was just terrible and all wrong. So I will definitely see what I can find for you guys. But the note said, list to prepare Jerry. Strip to underwear, wrap and towel, tie hands, gag, cover eyes. What the hell? Right? So his, okay. He was hogtied. Yes, he was definitely hogtied. Oh my, okay. So in this area, you know, local area, surrounding area, there were several registered sex offenders. And with hit the, the underwear and the pants pulled down, the police truly considered this could possibly be a sexual crime. Right. That's what I would think, too. Me, too. That, I was just about to say that before you. Yeah. I was going to. Yeah. Anyway. So they went out and investigated each sex offender, and they were able to cross them off of the list of suspects. Each and every one had an alibi, and they were adequately cleared from this crime. So who in the hell? Right? Right? Like, I'm sure they were lost at that point. Bumfuddled? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They circled back around to John Silva, and I'll tell you why. Many believed that this was the last place he was seen alive. And, being the warrior that she is, Stephanie Taylor, the friend of John's sister, yep. she told the police what John had said and that he had been acting strange the day of Jerry's disappearance. Apparently, he had left the house right behind Jerry carrying a bag. He was gone for approximately 30 minutes, and upon his return, he was sweaty, dirty, and he no longer had the bag that he left with. Oh. So, so how old was Stephanie, do you know? I don't know for 100%, but I'm, I, I would assume that she's probably a teenager. Well, hats off to her. Because, like in our past um, cases, they don't go to the police. They don't say anything when they see something or hear something suspicious. So hats off to Stephanie for going to the police on that. Yeah. Yeah, right? Wow. I mean, in the Tackett case, Tackett, Rippy, and yep. Loveless, Tony didn't say nothing. No. And she had all the opportunity in the world, but I think she was scared. Apparently, Stephanie wasn't scared, and she was like, that's enough of this crap. Thank goodness. Thank goodness on her, yes. There's two heroes. Yes. So the day after the discovery of Jerry's body, John Silva was arrested. 
all the clues were leading to John killing his best friend. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to, that sounded terrible. I did not mean to laugh after you said that. You made a gesture. I did. <laughs> I did. Anyways, I, I didn't mean to laugh at what you said. She was totally laughing at me because I did make a gesture at her. I'm just trying to evoke something from her. <laughs> but anyway, uh, during questioning, John told investigators what he thought happened to Jerry. First, it was the sex offenders. Then he said it had to be someone with a car because on the news, it was said that there was tire tracks. Oh my gosh. Jesus, Maya. Bree. Get it okay, together. Okay, I'm trying. After hours of questioning, John asked the investigators to please give a message to Jerry's grandparents. Tell them I didn't mean for this to happen. Tell them I'm sorry. Oh. Crap, right? John told investigators that they were riding bikes and stopped at, quote, the fort, which is what the local kids apparently called the septic tank. He said that they were wrestling around and Jerry got hurt, and as they were going down into the fort, Jerry fell and hit his head. John said, quote, I tried to stop Jerry's head from bleeding so much with an ace bandage. But when he was found, the ace bandage was around his neck. Right. So if he was really, okay, if he okay. was really trying to stop a head bleed, he wouldn't put it around his neck. Tourniquet? Right? Tourniquet to the neck to stop yeah. the head bleed? Right? Uh, dumb. So, okay, I'll, I'll let you continue. Okay. Sorry. So I'm still within the quote here. Um, I had the bandage with me because I injured my leg a few weeks ago. I tried to keep Jerry awake. I tied his hands in front of him to keep him from getting hurt. Then I got scared. I left him there after I threw his book bag and his bicycle in after him, unquote. If that's his best friend and he truly did fall and hit his head, wouldn't you try and go get help instead of throwing his backpack and his bicycle down there with him and just leaving him there? After he turned a kit to his neck? I mean, right? Okay. Hmm. Right? His story is not lining up at all. So here we go. He also said he tried to stop the bleeding with another ace bandage and threw it at the site. But a bloody bandage was never found at the scene. Investigators knew that this story did not fit the findings of the crime scene, nor the injuries recorded on the autopsy report. So, do you remember? Jerry's hands were tied behind his back and to his ankles. What'd you call that? Hogtied? He was yeah. yeah, he was hogtied. And he was saying he told investigators that he tied him in front. Yep. Why would, would you tie him in why would you tie them to begin with? Right. Oh, well, he said to stop him from hurting himself. Why would he hurt himself? Exactly. Okay. Zero sense here. Um, and there was no evidence of a head wound either. Okay. So when the note from the scene was processed, 
The only fingerprints on the note were John and Jerry's prints. The handwriting on the note found at the scene was compared to the handwriting style from John's schoolwork, and it was a definite match. Okay. So, as per the autopsy report, Jerry indeed did die from strangulation. He had linear hemorrhage to the neck, no evidence of sexual assault, and no head wounds. So, obviously, John killed Jerry. Mm-hmm. Or You're correct. Yeah. There's a lot of J's. I, so, and that's his best friend. So why the, like, what is his motive for killing his best friend? Like, what, why? Why did he do these things? He never did tell. Okay. Okay. So at the age of 15, John Silva would be tried as an an adult. My tongue got tied. Yes. He was charged with first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. After the verdict was read, Marvin Alley went over to hug and console Cynthia Silva, John's mother. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, in... They lost two boys, essentially. One was killed, and one's being sentenced to life. So I guess that would be a sense of loss. That is exactly my next sentence. I am wearing my glasses that have bifocals, and I swear the line is not matching up with what I need. I need to go in. Yeah, you do. Yeah. So, um... The Alleys held no resentment towards Cynthia. And he actually said to reporters that this was a bittersweet victory. Two boys were lost. Okay. It's yeah. so exactly kind of what I said, but damn. That's got to, you've got to be strong to, to be able to recognize that and to be able to comfort, you know. Yeah. The parents of the boy that killed your grandkid. Right. Oof. So you asked me about a motive, right? Yes. What? Why? I need to know the why. <laughs> I'm going to give you the why. Okay. The motive behind this senseless crime would not be revealed until six years after the crime. And this was in a letter to a female pen pal. And some of the letter reads as follows. Quote. It all started about a week before I did my crime. I thought about what it would be like to kill someone. I just thought it was one of those stupid things that you think about. But as the week went on, I just kept thinking about it more and more. The bus stopped to pick up Jerry Lee Alley, and I just knew that it had to be him. All this time, I was thinking, I can't do this. But I just couldn't stop myself. I told Jerry that there was a girl that liked him, and wanted to talk to him before she revealed herself to him. I told him she wanted to meet around 3.30 today. He said, sure. I told him that there was a few things that she wanted done first. He said he would do almost anything. I pulled out a note that said, list to prepare Jerry. I waited a minute, then blindfolded and gagged him. We sat there for a minute, then I took out the extension cord made a slip, and made a slipknot noose. I wanted to stop, but I couldn't make myself. Did he try to say anything else? 
I'm not sure because sound left me. I stopped choking him because he wasn't moving anymore. Well, that's all for now. Next, I will start to write about the first few days after the crime. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask, unquote. So this piece of shit killed his best friend for no effing reason. Absolutely. Other than he wanted to know what it felt like to murder somebody. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yep. It is believed that John Silva is a psychopath who was a serial killer in the making, and if he was released into society, he would definitely kill again. Did he get any psychiatric treatment or um, like testing done at all? Not that I'm aware of, but like I said, this wasn't very publicized, and the information was very scarce. Okay. I mean, oof. Yeah. So once again, the law was changed, and, and it made life in prison without parole unacceptable when involving a minor, which has been happening a lot. So the alleys will and are doing everything to make sure that John Silva never gets the chance for freedom and the temptation to murder again. Do you know if there's any like petitions out there for, like have the alleys put a petition out there or anything like that? You know, I'm not 100% sure. Okay. I, I really would like to know and I hope to find more information. Okay. And I'm hoping that us putting this out there will bring more information about this case. Yeah. And if it does, I am 100% behind doing another episode on the update, just for the updates. Update, yep. Because I want this case out there. It grabbed my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's my crime story, and I'm, I just have a hard time believing that this case has been so undercovered, and it makes me feel so good that we're putting this out there and bringing recognition to Jerry Lee Alley. He deserves to be remembered as the sweet, loving, kind, and generous 12-year-old boy that he was before he was robbed of his life. I looked up photos, and he's such a cute boy. Like, he's got cute little glasses on. Oh, he looks yeah. like such a little sweetheart. He deserves us to cover this case. Oh, absolutely. He, For sure. He, yes. So, that's the end of that. Brianna, you have a video update for me and our listeners? Uh, kind of. I mean, kind of mentioned it a little bit. Um, we do have the setup. Um, we just have to tweak it out a little bit and finish our we got to kind of kind of figure out the audio don't we because yeah. like the audio on the camera and then and the audio on the our, microphone yeah on our platform it's we just got to mesh it all together and make sure it works good our tech man is all over it so he'll he'll get her done so we're hoping yeah. in a week or two right i'm hoping so okay. yes okay um if you have any questions concerns updates or just want to hash out a case or have suggestions, you can email us at minorsofmayhem at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook where you can see photos of the victims, perpetrators, evidence, and links to our episodes via Spotify because Brianna hasn't uh, put up the Apple links yet, which yes. she's going to get on, right? Yes, I will okay. do that. Thank you. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode and so feel inclined, 
please give us a rate and review. Until next time, please refrain from being pond scum. Life is too short. And keep your happy asses safe out there. We love all of you buttercups. Bye. Bye.